we are wrapping up the series on myth busters, busting the myths of Christianity, and today's myth is the balloon myth. Christianity is restrictive. You saw that right on the balloon that, that we popped so vigorously, and <laughs> water splashing everywhere. We're doing that today. And there's two primary ways we've heard, I've heard this myth before. It goes kind of like this. First is this, is that Christianity is restrictive because it says there's only one right way to believe. That we proclaim Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? We never say Jesus is a way and shares truth and, and gives life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And sometimes people don't like that. And we'll address that today. The second way that I've heard that Christianity is restrictive is when people say something like this, that, um, uh, that there's a right way to live. That God shares his will for us and uh, our, our duty as people in, created in his image is to follow his will and his ways. And people say, well, that's restrictive. It's too authoritarian. And so we're going to talk about that too. But we're going to address the first one first. That Christianity's beliefs are restrictive. It's true. We believe that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And you may have heard this myth expressed this way. You know, there's one God, but there are many paths to God. Have you heard that one before? Hmm. Heard that? Pretty common, right? Um, you may have heard it expressed that, um, you know, no one person or group could possibly know the truth. Have you heard that one before, too? A little less common, but it's definitely out there. Definitely out there. And so to address this myth, I want to approach it from this direction. I want to say this, first of all, that Christianity uh, has lots in common with other religions. It's true. Christianity and, and Islam and Judaism and, and Hinduism and, and Buddhism and all those isms, they actually share a lot in common. And so to say, I believe in Jesus, or I follow Jesus, or I'm a Christian, is not to say that these other religions are all completely wrong. It's not to say that. We share a lot in common. For example, to be basic, we all believe murder is bad. What took place in Australia is horrible. Absolutely horrible and reprehensible, right? We all believe that. Our religions teach that cheating is wrong. Even if you're trying to get your kid into a prestigious university, or USC. <laughs> nice. I have, I'm from LA. I'm a UCLA fan. Come on. So the old joke is, uh, you know, how many USC students have to take to change a flat tire? It takes four, three to hold the drinks, one to call daddy. Jews or Buddhists or Hindus, whatever. That, that we go, we go with Jesus. We go with the Bible. <clears throat> the second thing is this: that all religions believe their particular religion or worldview. That's critical. 
all religions and all worldviews believe that their worldview is the correct one. In other words, we're all restrictive. Everybody is. Every single one of us says, you know what, I think I'm more right than you are. Because if I didn't think that, I'd change to your position, right? So all of us are restrictive. There's this great story that Tim Keller tells. It's him. He's a Christian pastor in New York City. And he's on this religious panel with a Muslim ayman and a Jewish rabbi. And they don't walk into a bar, but rather they're at this conference. And uh, there are students. It's a student conference. And the students are insistent that all religions are basically different ways to the same purpose, the same God, same higher power, whatever you might want to call it. And Tim Keller, the past Christian pastor, the Muslim Ayman, and the Jewish rabbi were all in agreement that no, there were significant differences between their religions, and they couldn't possibly all be correct. They, they agreed that there were distinct, unique differences, and those differences were important. And so one of the students says, well, let me tell you a parable. <laughs> he tells them a parable. The parable goes like this. There are these blind mice, and these blind mice encounter an elephant. <laughs> and the one mouse, one blind mouse, finds the leg of the elephant, and he says, this is a pillar. And then there's another blind mouse, and he finds the tail, he says, no, 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 this is a rope. And another blind mice, he finds the, the elephant's trunk. And he says, no, 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 this is like a snake. And the, the teaching of the parable is that uh, we all have our own perspectives and our own idea of truth. But no one can possibly know the truth. Have you heard that one before? Okay, it, it's, it's out there. And as Tim Keller notes, the problem with the parable is this. First of all, it's an elephant. <laughs> In other words, there is truth. And if those mice had been so inclined, they could have gotten together, and together they could have figured out, oh, wait a minute, it's not a pillar, it's not a rope, it's not a snake, it's an elephant. There is truth. And the second part, problem with that parable is this, is that the teller of the parable assumes that he or she is correct. See, anytime you say, you can't possibly know the truth, what you're really saying is, you can't possibly know, but I know a little bit more than you do. Because I'm telling you what's really true. So everyone is restrictive. In their own unique and different ways, every single worldview, every religion is by nature, by definition, restrictive. Even a worldview that says, oh, you're all correct. Even that worldview, which makes no sense, but even that worldview is restrictive. Because what it's saying is, I can see the elephant, and you can't quite see it. And so is Christianity restrictive? Yes. But only in the same way that they're all restrictive. And here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. Is Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, Christianity is restricted only in the sense that Jesus is the way. And other than that, it's the most inclusive thing there is. Because Jesus never says, you know, fix yourself and then come to me. And Jesus never says, do these things and then you'll attain hope, nirvana, peace, whatever it might be. Jesus never says that. Jesus only says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me. For I am meek and humble in heart. And you will find rest. Jesus gathers all who might have him. Jesus invites all from every nation, language, tribe, class, whatever. Jesus invites everybody. He's restrictive in salvation. He is inclusive in his love. The second part of the myth is this, that Christianity is restrictive in its morality and its definitions of right and wrong. Now, I'm a little more I'm a little more sensitive to this one because I am I think I was the way I was raised, fiercely independent. I, I have a, a nose for freedom, right? I just like to be in the land of the free and the home of the brave, right? I, I have such a high, a low tolerance for restrictions on freedom. I don't like HOAs. <laughs> I can't stand them. You know, I wish I could paint my house. I wish I could paint my house like that. That's like I wish I could paint my house. I was in college. I saw this house. I'm like, I'm taking a picture of my ass house. That's my dream house right there. Are you good, honey? Purple. Good? Yeah, all right. Awesome. Sometimes HOAs are all right. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, if you live next door to that house, you're like, I want the HOA. Right? But if you live in that house, you are living the dream. My goodness. So I, I am drawn to freedom. But we, we all agree, right, there's some things that people should not do. Do you agree on that? There's definitely something like, okay, maybe that's, some of you are like, yeah, that's crime against humanity right there. Not that. But we all agree there's some things that people should not do. And so we all agree that there's always limits to freedom. You're free to do whatever you want, but there's some things you just can't do. And some of those restrictions are by nature, right? When I was growing up, my dream was to play linebacker <laughs> for the Rams. God said no. Navy kicker. Right? But there's also other restrictions that we place on ourselves. Right? Viewer at times will limit your freedom in order to obtain a greater freedom and a greater opportunity. A great example, Lindsey Vaughn, Michaela Schriffer. They have sacrificed their freedom. They have trained and trained and trained in order to obtain a greater freedom 
and a greater opportunity, right? The sacrifice they've made, they've limited their freedom in order to get something bigger and better. People do this all the time. They'll restrict their way to spend their money. They'll save and save and save and retire early. As Dave Ramsey says, you want to live like no one else so that later on you can live like no one else, right? People restrict their own freedom all the time. Sam Keller put it this way, he said, freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones, the liberating ones. And my friends, the greatest restriction on freedom is love. That sounds a little Dumbledore-ish, but in my defense, Jesus said it first, right? For God so loved the world that he gave, he sacrificed Jesus Christ, who sacrifices himself so that you might be free. C.S. Lewis, he put it this way, he said this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. You have to lose independence. You have to lose freedom in order to gain connection and intimacy. And I've learned that and still trying to learn that. So my wife and I we started dating when I was 19 years old. Which is to say my wife and I started dating when I was a moron. <laughs> but I was an earnest moron. <laughs> And at that time, love was easy. Was there a loss of freedom and independence? I suppose so. But I was having such a great time, I never even noticed. And then, we got married. We got married in California. Our honeymoon was driving to St. Louis uh, for seminary with her mom. I don't recommend that as a honeymoon. It's a bad choice. We get to St. Louis, and then we moved in together. And a lot of times when couples, they get married, they move in together, they find that they, they've lost independence. They just start to realize that, and they start to butt heads with each other. And my wife and I never happened with us. I don't know why, probably because we were so poor, and the apartment was so ugly. We were just united in our scrounging around. <laughs> right money and food. I don't know what it was. It was all good. So I never felt that loss of freedom and independence. And then we had kids. And I didn't have a little brother or sister. And I thought having a baby was a lot like having a puppy. Because I had one of those. You know, I, and you, you feed it, you, you take it for walks, you get a bath every now and then. And, and, you, and you put it to bed, and, and that's what you do with the kid, and, and, and it's not that hard. And we had two puppies. <laughs> and I would yearn 
private time in the bathroom. <laughs> yep. And they would pound the door. <laughs> they'd put their hands underneath the door. Like, daddy, 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 daddy. I'm like, dear God, three minutes, please. Three minutes. Independence, gone. Freedom, eliminated. That was life. And I'll be honest with you. There's a part of me that yearned to be free again. And the more we gave, and Heather and I, we had to learn how to communicate and talk to each other about our needs and how we were sacrificing. And I made a lot of mistakes there. And we had a third puppy. <laughs> in freedom, what I lost in independence, I gained in connection and love. It took a while to learn that. But God taught me that through three little ones. I say all this to illustrate this one point. Is Christianity restrictive? Do you lose independence following Jesus? Is there a lot of do this and don't do that? And I suppose there is. But when you realize who Jesus is, you find out you're gaining connection and love. Because any relationship where one person sacrifices and the other person does nothing isn't much of a relationship. It's, it's, more, it's more abuse, right? You sacrifice everything, the other person does nothing. It's not really, that's not connection, that's not love, that's, that's abuse. And in some religions, they view God like that. And Jesus is completely different. Because Jesus sacrifices and gives up everything. I love these words in our gospel reading. It's from John chapter 8. Phil's going to click it for us here. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son, a child, belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Amen. Jesus loses his independence. Jesus loses his freedom. He restricts, uh, he restricts his glory and his authority. He submits it so that you might be free. And if you don't know Jesus and his free gift of forgiveness and his free gift of life, then freedom is only an illusion. You're not free. Because there's sin there and there's death always waiting. Apart from Jesus, there is no freedom. Only death. 
And so on this Sunday, this remembrance of the resurrection, we celebrate Jesus' victory over sin and death and the grave for you. We celebrate that victory that he's given freely to Pastor David. We celebrate that gift that he's given freely to Lori Mutter. We celebrate that gift that he's freely given to all who trust in him, to all who say, Lord God, you're my Savior. Lord, I'll follow you. But only because of who you are and what you've done for me. Thank you for sacrificing everything so that I could be truly free. Is Christianity restrictive? I don't want to guess so. more you know Jesus the more free you really are let's pray Lord God thank you for setting us free thank you for setting us free from our sin our pride our selfishness Thank you for setting us free from the illusion that we, on our own and by our own power, are completely free and independent. Because of death, we will never be. So, Lord God, thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for sacrificing so much that we might be connected and loved by you. Lord God, help us to sacrifice our own freedom so that we might know more love and to share that love with those who put in our presence, with those who put around us. We ask this, we pray this boldly in your name, Jesus. <clears throat>